are we all doing? Oh, we can do better than that. How are we all doing? Come on, the sun is out. It's just gorgeous. You're all going to be out there putting your bikinis on, ladies, and your shorts, and, and having the Barbies on, and, and uh, making sure that you're here for tonight at Mansfield for John Partington. All right, okay. We're going to continue with our series of, of uh, internet intentionality, and um, this morning I want to look at being fruitful. If you've got a Bible, please turn with me to 2 Corinthians and chapter 3. 2 Corinthians and chapter 3. Once you find it, then just give me your attention. That will be great. It really is fantastic to welcome you here this morning. I trust that you've enjoyed uh, our time together. And if it's your first time amongst us, uh, we hope that we'll see you again. Um, Just as a few introductory points, I don't know about you, but it would just be brilliant to be good all the time. Wouldn't it? There was just something in you that, that, that just made you good. Now, um, you might be thinking, well, I am good. Well, you're not good all the time. There's something in all of us, there's a bias in all of us that just leads us to do wrong things at times. It would just be good to be good all the time. It would be good to do the right thing all the time. It would be good to be at peace all the time. Wouldn't you agree? You know, in, the, in, in those moments of, of difficulty, to just, just, just have peace running through our lives continually. And it would just be excellent. And often, we find ourselves in places where we look at stuff, and we look at good things, and we think that's a measure of fruitfulness. I want to talk this morning about being fruitful. I don't know what your measure of fruitfulness is. What I do know is that what God's measure of fruitfulness is, and we'll come on to that in a moment, but it may be that you think that as you acquire stuff, you become fruitful. It might be that you, as you, you know, gather and take ownership over over different things and different possessions, that that is a measure of fruitfulness in your life. It may be the blessings and favor and opportunities that open themselves up to you. That is, again, could be the measure for you of great fruitfulness. I know as one of the pastors here that often church leaders measure fruitfulness by what? Number one, how many people come on a Sunday morning? Often the comment is, well, how many people are in your church? How many people have you got coming? And that is a measure for many people of how fruitful something is. Or how large is your building? How, 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 how large are your tithes and offerings? How many young people do you have? How many people do you have on staff? And all those things can at times be measures of fruitfulness. But I want to tell you the f- true test of fruitfulness is when we are made into the image of Christ. I wonder if you've got 2 Corinthians in chapter 3, and we're going to read a few verses together. It's worthy of a read from verse 12, but because of time, we'll just go from verse 16. And it says there, and I love the the verse in 16 where it says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. There's revelation. I pray today that the veil will be taken away from people's eyes today. 
Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. Aren't we glad for the freedom that we can enjoy in Christ Jesus? It's a great thing. There are a lot of people around the world who are not free, and yet we're here today, and we have freedom in Christ Jesus. But verse 18, and we, with who unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, the true test of fruitfulness and being fruitful is when we are made into the image of Christ. I wish somebody had told me this, you know, when I first started my discipleship journey as an 11-year-old, that actually wasn't about what I could get, it's about what God does in me. You see, God is interested in what's happening in us, not too bothered about what's happening around us. I want to say, God's not interested in, in what we do for him. I'll come on to that later. He is interested in what we do for him, but he's more interested, or he's only interested, in what happens in us. Because his idea is that he wants to make us more like him. The whole point of discipleship, I hope you understand this, the whole point of discipleship as we give ourselves to God is that God can then mold us and form us into the image of his son, Jesus. That is the true test of fruitfulness. I was thinking of an illustration if I'd have had time, I would have had 26 people who would have stood at the front because often we talk about life as a journey and we talk about the A to Z of the journey and everything in between. And often we think that A is the start point and Z is the, uh, is the end point when we ultimately die. But I want to say that through the course of life, I believe of my life, there are many A to Zs. Because when I come to the Z point, I then look on the reverse of the card and there's an A there. And I begin again. Anybody experience that? Because there are things that God is wanting to work through in our lives. I absolutely believe in turnarounds. I absolutely believe in the suddenness of God. I believe that God wants to break in suddenly into people's lives, into your work situation today, into your family life, into your finances. Do you believe that with with me this morning? Anybody believe that? I believe it passionately, but I also am passionate about the journey and about the process of what God wants to do. I actually believe there are three stages in being fruitful. But for those who are taking notes, I want to just give you a headline. The first thing I want to say is this. Our life is a garden. I don't know whether there are any keen gardeners here. Put your hand up if you're a bit of a keen gardener. I'm looking at Kev. I've been over to Kev's place. What a garden. If you want to see a great garden, you need to go and see this man's garden. Awesome. I'm sure Helen's had a little part to play in it. Oh, not really. Okay. He gets all the glory then, does Kev. You know, but just fantastic. Now, believe it or not, I'm actually quite a keen gardener. Yes, honestly. I know people think and think, really, you don't look like... Yeah, I really, really enjoy being in the garden. I enjoy working the garden. I enjoy digging. I, en- I enjoy the pruning, the cutting away. I'll cut anything inside, even if it's alive and kicking. I'll cut it if I don't like it. That's just the kind of gardening that I do. I'm not a fully understanding educated gardener, but I enjoy the garden. When I was beginning to work in it over the last couple of days, 
I just begun to think of our lives as being like a garden. One of the most profound books that I read um, a number of years ago, and I've, it's a book that I've continued to refer to. It's not one of those books that you read and then put down and never touch it again. But it's a book called Order in Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald. If you've never come across it and you really are serious about wanting to live your life for Jesus, I'd encourage you to get it. Order in Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald. It's a classic. And Gordon MacDonald quotes this. I want you to all hear this quote. This is really important because it sets us up for the next 20 minutes. This is what he writes. The inner garden is a delicate place. And if not properly maintained, it will be quickly overrun by intrusive undergrowth. Let me make this statement here. God does not often walk in disorganized gardens. God does not often walk in disorganized gardens. And that is why inner gardens that are ignored are said to be empty. Our life is a garden. If we do not properly tend to our garden, I want to say there will be a time when God will come knocking and he will look at our garden and he will determine by the state of our garden whether he will come amongst us. This is not an easy word. This is not a nice word. Neither am I trying to make it overly difficult or overly complicated. But the fact is, we're not here just having a nice time. God wants to change us. I cannot keep thinking how I think and behaving how I have behaved. God wants to bring a change into my garden and into your garden. And we must give it absolute attention. Can you all reflect on what the first account of God's interaction was with man? Taking aside the fact that he he, he made him, but can you remember where God first met with man? Where was it? Where was it? In the garden. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, in the cool of day, God was walking in the garden. God was walking in the garden. I want to say God is still walking in the garden. He's still looking for gardens that he can live amongst. And so he is absolutely committed to our lives being, dis- being organized and together. I'm going to make a little bit of understanding about the whole togetherness. But there are three stages in this process of being fruitful. Interestingly, let me just jump ahead for a moment I want to say the whole thing of fruitfulness, getting the fruit, I'm just going to take two minutes at the end. Because that is not what it's all about. That will take care of itself. I want to say the seed of God's word is always good. God has good seed. There's no problem with his seed. The problem is the soil in which it's going into. That is the issue. And there are three stages to this process of being fruitful. The first one is... We need to clear the weeds. Everybody say, clear the weeds. I was in the garden yesterday, and what was I doing? I was clearing the weeds. We've had a hard winter, haven't we? We've had a really hard winter. Did anybody have any of those pine, uh, not pine, like palm, little palm trees thing? Have you, have you lost them all? Yeah, I've lost my life. I was cursing the fact that I've lost. We had really spent a lot of time over this palm tree, and it's gone. I had to rip it out yesterday, and throw it in the bin. 
wasn't happy about it as well. And I lost a few quid along the way because obviously I'm going to have to go and buy another one. But, you know, we've had a hard winter. But the first job was to clear the weeds. You see, McDonald is absolutely right that if we do not properly maintain the garden, it will be quickly overrun by intrusive undergrowth. What will happen is if our gardens are left unattended, and bearing in mind the garden that we're talking about is not a natural garden, just to be clear, the garden is our hearts. That's stuff that only God can see. We can dress it up how we want. I can come in a nice designer Ralph Lauren polo shirt with a nice pair of blue slacks and a nice pair of you know, polished shoes, and I can talk the talk this morning, even as the man at the front, and say all the nice things, and God bless you, and all the rest of it. But my heart, the garden, can be unruly, can be desperate, can be untidy. We've got to make sure that we don't just dress it up, we actually deal with the real issues. There's no point me planting new plants into my garden yesterday before I cleared the weeds. Before I cleared the weeds. Because there's always inhabitation that will come. That's unwelcome. It's Phil, the intruders of the house. Intruders will always come in. Have you ever realized the fact that in your garden, I've got a little side bit on the side of our house. It's got some gravel in there. And Jim, who's been, he's a good gardener as well, comes in the nine o'clock service. He helped me last year just by getting rid of some of this stuff with some deadly poison. And it cleared it for a few few months and I thought great we've solved it we've healed it I've got a cover over it I've got gravel it won't come back but lo and behold you won't believe it just in the last few days I've got these weeds coming through I could have just smacked the weed you know I just it really frustrated me I've got Jim now on it is going to come and help me again with this deadly stuff trying to hopefully kill it but you don't have to invite the weeds they just come anybody got it they just come And they just come into our lives. They just weave themselves and weave themselves into our lives. If I can ask a question, just give me your attention, please, just for a moment. This is a really important question. I'm just wondering what rubbish needs to be cleared from your garden. I'm just wondering what rubbish needs to be cleared from your garden. It's not a condemning question. I'm just asking a general question. I think the Spirit of God is here. I think the Spirit of God just wants to talk to us a little bit. I think the Spirit of God loves our worship. I think He loves our enthusiasm as a church. But I really do believe that God, God is wanting to work within our characters. We can't keep doing the same things, guys. We've got to allow him access into our garden and into our hearts. And we've got to work together to clear some of the rubbish from our gardens. Let me give you two passages very quickly. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. If you're taking notes, just have a look at it on your way. But let's look at Colossians 3 and verse 5. Let's look at some of the things that possibly can be in our gardens. It says there, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Let me just stop there. Let me just get real with you. We automatically think, well, that's for everybody else. No, we all suffer with those things. That's why they're in the Bible. 
They're all, they're here for a purpose. Okay. Verse 6. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. It's no good that we keep doing the same things. We've got to take control of the rubbish and clear it from our lives. Now, often we want to concentrate on larger sins, don't we? So we hear of somebody who's had an affair, or they've had an affair and it's out there, or somebody who's, you know, committed to violence and they're quite violent, or somebody, Dave, who's struggling with addictions and it's out there. And that's what we concentrate on. I actually think there's something in all of us that we like that because it takes the spotlight off our own hearts. And I was with uh, Matt, Matt Stockdale, Matt and Esther. They've joined us recently with a family. And it's great to see them. I just met with him. And Matt said something to me that really stuck with me. And I asked him for uh, the opportunity to just get it absolutely right. And this is what he said to me. He said, people who wear the sin on the outside, they're not the ones you have to worry about. They're not the ones you have to worry about. Guys, if this is making you uncomfortable, it makes me uncomfortable. Because the fact is God wants to work on our hearts. And he wants to clear the weeds from our lives. What weeds am I talking about? Well, those things of anger. It's no good saying, well, I'm just angry. That's just how I am. And No, listen. I've gone on record of saying I can be quite explosive. I really can. But it's no good me keep saying, well, that's just how I am. Because that denies the power of God to change my life. Are you hearing me? The very moment we say that, we're actually denying the power of God to change my life. I am redeemed. I've been given a new nature. I've been given a new life in Christ Jesus. I cannot keep behaving the way that I have been behaving. Are you hearing me? For those people... Who are negative, you're hearing, you're negative. Everything's negative, you need to change. And in all these areas, what we need to do is we need to seek some help. We need to read as much books as we can read. We need to read as many Bible verses as we can read. We need to pray as many prayers as we can pray. And we need to get some people around us who are going to hold us accountable. And then we might begin to see God at work in our lives. Are you hearing me this morning? Because these things do matter. And they're weeds that strangle the life out of our gardens. And it's no good of saying we want to be fruitful. We're going to take the ground for Jesus. We're going to be this. We're going to be that. When God says, listen to me, guys. I love you. I care for you. I'm committed to you. But you've got to sort your garden out. You've got to sort your garden out. You want to be fruitful? Intentionality. It starts with being intentional about clearing the weeds. Here's a big one doesn't really get out there and we all live there at times we're always wanting more we're always wanting more and God says these are weeds in your life Wallace Hamilton says this within not Lewis Hamilton the race driver Wallace Hamilton I have no idea where he is but anyway sounded good Wallace Hamilton said this within each of us there is a herd of wild horses all wanting to run loose can anybody resonate with that phrase I certainly can. And the reality is there's something in all of us that wants to do the bad and not the good. Just turn with me to Proverbs in chapter 24. 
Proverbs 24. We must clear the weeds. Everybody say, clear the weeds. We must clear the weeds from our gardens if we're going to do all that God has for us. There was an observer in Proverbs 24 and verse 30. And he says, I went past the field of the sluggard, the lazy man. And I went past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment or the stupid man. And thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds. And the stone wall was in ruins. Was in ruins. There is a very graphic picture of a very unruly life. And a very disorganized garden. And a place where I'm not quite sure whether anybody of God would want to live there. What else do we need to do in this process? Well, the second thing that God wants to do is he wants to cultivate the soil. He wants to cultivate the soil. And that's what I needed to do. Yesterday, I had to cultivate the soil. Because I'll say again, the problem is not the seed. The problem is the soil. Yes? That's, that's the issue. It's not the seed. The seed is good. The seed is perfect. The issue is the soil. So we have to cultivate this soil. Well, we say, well, that's easy. But what do we need to do to cultivate the soil? Well, anybody who's ever done it, you have to turn it over. It's a bit hard. You have to dig down and turn it over. Has anybody ever had that in the life where you feel like somebody's just digging at you and turn it around, digging at you and turn it around? And it's very uncomfortable. It's not very nice for the soil, but it's necessary to cultivate the soil. But it doesn't just stop there with a turn it around. What then happens? You have to throw a load of dung or manure or fertilizer into the mix. I want to tell you, some dung is coming your way. I said that really nice, didn't I? You know what kind of words you may want to put on it, but it's coming your way. If it hasn't already come your way, I want to tell you, it's coming your way. Because it's how it's cultivated the soil. I've got some uh, a border in my garden. This area is renowned for it. It's just full of clay. What did I need to do? I'm sure it was my father-in-law who said to me, what you need to do is you need to get some fertilizer on that. You need to get something that's going to just break it down. And over time, it'll just break it down. Some of you gardeners are nodding at me. But that's what I did yesterday. I got some fertilizer and threw it on the garden and just endeavored to just break this stuff down. Why do bad things happen to us? Because it's the way that God wants to cultivate our lives. After the nine o'clock service, somebody said to me, thank you for the ministry. But can you just remind people that bad things happen to us. It doesn't show that God doesn't love us. It actually shows that God does love us because these things do happen to us. Because it's the way that we grow. Have you got that? Things happen to us because God wants to cultivate our lives. He wants us to become all that he wants us to be. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. Just turn with me. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. Are you still with me this morning? Is it a tough message or are you enjoying it? You're okay, all right. That was a bit, you know, on the fence, Christine. It was okay. Okay, I get it. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope who likes he is suffering i don't who wants to suffer a bit more any takers 
But it's the very thing that God uses to develop us. Crisis and calamities, suffering and pain, fears and failures. Guys, listen to me. I really do understand it and I do get it. And in those times, what you want to do is you want to just run as quick as you can away from it. You're wondering where God is in the midst of it all. Anybody with me this morning? You're just wondering where God is in all this. But I just want to encourage you to stay strong. Keep standing. God is with you. God is with you in that dung. God is with you in that manure. God is with you in that suffering. God is with you in that pain. And he's got a greater purpose in store for you. If you will just stick in there. Because all he is doing is cultivating the soil of your life. Ready for the seed of his word. Ready for you to be fruitful. And all that God has called you to be. To just help us a little bit more. I was, um, I, I, we, we subscribe to this and I... Uh, get this every quarter. It's a fantastic magazine called Leadership. And on the front, it got my attention uh, a few weeks ago. And I thought, I need to get hold of this because of just where we're at at the moment. It says, crisis, moments you dare not waste. And I thought, that's got my attention. So I thought, I'll have a read. And uh, I opened the, the editor's page. And then this is what it says. It says, in fact, as veteran pastor Alan Redpath once observed, if you're a Christian pastor... You're always in a crisis. Is this guy for real? I thought, I don't need to hear this. You're either in the middle of one, coming out of one, or going into one. And then Ortberg, anybody know John Ortberg? Not personally, but you know his writings. What a truly fantastic writer and pastor. This is what he then went on to say. I was once part of a survey on spiritual formation. Thousands of people were asked when they grew most spiritually and what contributed to their growth. The response was humbling, at least for someone who works at a church. The number one contributor to spiritual growth was not transformational teaching. So this here today is needful. We need it. But I want, I want to tell you, and I actually believe this, it's not going to take you to where, where you, you need to be get, go to, and it's not going to develop what God wants to do in you. You then say, well, for some of you, well, I know what the answer is, small groups, small groups, small groups. Okay, let's address that. It was not being in a small group. I'm sorry, it wasn't a small group. We're all for small groups. If you want a small group, God bless you. We have them around the place. We're committed to that. I know what it is. I will de- read a deep book. It was not reading deep books. I've got it. It's going to be, we're going to have a shindig, going to get on down and a worship with Jesus. It was not energetic worship experiences. I get it. It's got to be the flourish. This lady over here, she's committed to serving. We'll get everybody in the game serving. Come on, serve everybody. It was not finding meaningful ways to serve. Do you know what the answer was? Suffering. People grew in times of suffering. 
Think to yourself, just for a moment, pause. When was the greatest growth spurt that you had in your Christian life? When was it? When did you grow the most? When did you just become like Linford Christie and you sprinted ahead? When was it? In difficulty, in crisis, in pain, in failure. That's when we just run into God. God is wanting to cultivate our soil. Do not now say, where's God in the midst of all my difficulties? Friend, I understand if you're in the middle of a difficulty, allow some people to just get with you and stand with you and help you and support you and encourage you. I do genuinely mean that. that. Speak out with the leadership. Talk to us. Because we can't do it alone. But please go away from this service knowing that at those times, God hasn't left you. God is in the middle of them. And he is using it to cultivate your garden. Why does he do that? Because we are being prepared for the greater life that God has planned for us. I'll say that again. We are being prepared for the greater life that God has planned for us. I say this without any boast, there is no boast in me, but I want to tell you, God is preparing my life for great things. And that will mean, unfortunately, there's going to be weeds that are going to be needed to be taken from this heart, big clumps of them, because I know what's in this heart at times, and it needs to be removed, and then it needs to continually turn over my heart, which is painful and difficult, and I just like it the way it is. And then what he does, he throws a load of dung at my life, and there's going to be a lot of stuff hit the fan because I, he was wanting to see what's in me because this produces persever, perseverance. And the ultimate point is it brings hope to our lives. Are you hearing me today? If your head's down, God is with you. If you feel like your back's against the wall, God is with you. If you feel like you're never going to get through it, God is with you. And he's got a greater thing planned for you. I believe it. I believe it for every single person here today. Joseph, Moses, Job, David, Peter, Paul, they all had to go through incredible things in their lives. Do we enjoy it? Of course we don't. That is why we need to, as a church community, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And friend, if I can say this, I think we need to do a little bit better at mourning with people who are mourning and drawing alongside people and instead of criticizing, upholding and encouraging. Lastly, I'm only going to take a couple of minutes on this. The third process that God uses, because he clears the weeds, he cultivates the soil, and then there's a commitment to growth. All I want to say on this is please read John chapter 15. Will you all do that? John chapter 15. There's a few significant words in there. It talks about bearing fruit. It says it five times. I want to say, we're not like this. I am going to produce love. Or this. There's a bit of peace. Isn't it lovely? We don't do it like that. Trees bear fruit. John 15 uses the word five times about bearing. And the last time he used it, it says bearing much fruit. Bearing much 
fruit. We don't have to try at this. We just have to get committed to God. We need to be grafted into the vine. We need to understand that his rule and his ownership and his dominion over our lives. We have to say, God, this is not my God and this is now your God. And please can we work together to rip out the weeds no matter how painful it is. God, this is not my God and this is your God. But I need help with cultivating the soil. I know you're going to have to pour some dung on it. And God, I'm not looking forward to that. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. But can I hold your hand and can we work this journey together? And he says, yeah, I'll work it through with you. And then what he'll then do is plant the seed. Because what have I kept saying? The seed is good. There's not the issue with the seed. The seed is good. He will plant the seed and then what happens? We begin to bear much fruit. John 15 talks about there's going to be a necessary for pruning and for shaping. But we will begin to bear fruit and fruit that will last. Christ is needing to be formed in us. Do you know what's going to cause the church in Ilkeston and the church in Mansfield to arise? Christians who are full of the image of Christ. That's it. That's always been God's plan. What has he wanted for us to be fruitful in? In answer to my first question at the very beginning. God's not interested in all that we do for him. He's interested what he can do in us. Because as he does it in us, it then comes out of us. And fruit becomes a natural thing of our lives. Our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, our behaviors are changed into his likeness. We get filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control. You may be wondering why I put this bowl of fruit here. It's not that we've gone all hairy-fairy now and the pastors are indulgent and we have our own room to go to and we suck tea and we have nice fruit bowls because we're so lovely people. We're just so special and important. I'm mocking all that nonsense. You know I am. I bought it here because this is what people want to do. People out there are looking for the real deal. They understand that we're not got it all together, but they're looking for the real deal. And this is what they'll do. They come. Looks all right. And they pick the fruit of your life. I'm telling you, this is what they want to do, seriously. They'll leak into your life. This is what they did with Jesus. The eight of his life. They realized that Jesus wasn't just a great teacher and a great miracle worker. But Jesus was who he said he was. I tell you what, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus is wanting us to be so attractive. Oh, this banana's amazing. I love bananas. I do, honestly, I love bananas. If anybody touches this banana, you'll see the attitude of anger coming on you. (laughs) I mean it, boys. Any of you, you're in trouble. People are wanting to pick of our lives and eat of the good fruit. I've done it in the best way that I can to say, 
let's live with intentionality about being fruitful. Have you got it? Forget all the other nonsense around it. Concentrate on your garden. And then God will take care of the rest. He really will. In Jesus' name, Phil. Amen. Let's pray, friends, just before we have a final song and then...